0: practice that doesn't involve taking on more clients. In this second part of our three-part series, I'm going to reveal a neat way to get uber selective with who you take on as a client alongside increasing the efficiency of your operational processes. It's called a velvet rope strategy. Can't wait to share this. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Welcome my friends, I'm so happy to have you here back again on the Leverage Business Podcast. Today's episode is very dear to my heart, it's important to me, this idea of really choosing who you work with and not just from a leverage point of view but just from a fulfillment point of view as well. Finding ways to earn more, work less, grow faster are always the big goals for creating true freedom in your business and in your life. Because after leaning heavily on the consulting part of my business, a few years ago, I was starting to suffer from burnout, doing back-to-back projects or traveling up and down the breadth of the country, visiting clients on site. And I knew that more clients was not sustainable and certainly not desirable. From doing internal audits for companies to observing from the outside, I've looked at how businesses operated. I've looked at their customer journeys. I looked at what they did for marketing and their end-to-end sales processes. Now, last week I talked about four things you can focus on to leverage your client work. Focus on doing fewer things for more clients, focus on doing more things with your existing clients, focus on doing work at the top of the tree, and focus on working in collaboration with others. In all the work I do, both for large corporate organizations and small businesses, and working with solo consultants, coaches, and other practitioners, my mission is simple, to work out all the different ways to leverage your time, expertise and systems to earn more while working less. You want to work smarter, not harder, right? And after all the research I've done and running hundreds of strategy calls and evaluating business processes, I have a few answers for how that can be achieved. Because of course it isn't one thing. There's no one business model or marketing system that fits every business and works for everyone right out of the gate or the digital box. Yet, when you look at all the marketing stuff out there, all these gurus purporting the next best thing, on the one hand, this feeds our shiny object syndrome, our desire for a quick fix, the one tactic that will save the day. And on the other hand, it speaks to our logical brain that says you need a complicated funnel in place to nurture the no like trust, and while both are laudable goals, it's annoying and frustrating. What you want is something that fast, that works, Right? So I always advise you to A, start with your warmest market and shortest path and B, start with an introductory pilot and introductory pricing to validate the offer and reduce the cost barrier. However, once you're past the product market fit stage, you'll be looking to ramp things up and that means your leads will be a little bit colder and they'll need to find out more about you before they're ready to buy. Once you have consistent marketing and sales flow going, you'll want to do the opposite of what you did to start with. That means A, pre-qualify your prospects and B, build out the value in your program and increase your prices. Depending on what stage you're at, I can't tell you one thing that will work, but I can tell you 10 things that can work, probably 50 things, and I can help you figure out which is the top choice for you and your business out of everything that you could do. And my approach to business acceleration is helping people identify what stage they're at, what's standing in the way of growth, and what steps to take to implement a strategy that builds on solid foundations, is workable, dependable, and ultimately scalable. And that brings me to the next part we'll dive into in this episode, using a velvet rope strategy, which allows you to pre-qualify people before they enter and have them feel special. For instance, you can put an application process in place to ensure you're only working with high quality clients who respect your values and approach to the work. And that usually means you can increase your fees and start charging what you're worth. As you'll know, velvet ropes are used to control the flow of guests at events. And velvet rope marketing has become an important way to attract better clients using exclusivity. Think about those velvet ropes you see at nightclubs and other party facilities to keep out the rift raff. And from the client's point of view, a velvet rope signifies some things exclusive and special, that it's elite and that getting past it is a privilege that not everyone gets in. And that's what you want so you avoid the overload and overwhelm of working with clients that vex you and with clients that overstretch you. I've personally been on this pursuit of life balance for a good while. Even though I'm a self-confessed workaholic, I love my freedom to choose what, when and with whom I work. And it's been my mission to help other consultants, coaches, and practice-based professionals do the same, to drastically raise their revenue while avoiding entrepreneurial burnout and without adding more clients. I've talked before about creating a good business plan for working smarter, not harder, and getting support to implement it and keep you accountable. Now today, I'm going to share with you some questions that help you with business planning, focused on choice, value, and prices. And how this impacts client work in your practice. Let's start with prices and move towards what's often called a velvet rope strategy that helps you say no to the wrong clients who pay you too little and cost you too much. So first off, let's explore ways of increasing your fees. In my own business, as I'm sure is the case for many of you, I wanted to earn what I was worth and create financial independence. But in the beginning, the only way I thought I could do that was by taking on more clients or increasing my fees. I did both. And as we explored last week, working at the top of the tree and attracting higher fees actually meant fewer clients. Working collaboratively meant fewer hours, which meant I'd immediately leveraged my time, earning the same income for the same or less work. That was the first revelation. So I still wanted to increase my income without increasing my workload. I needed to figure out the how. How could I increase my consulting income without taking on more clients? At first, I had no idea, so I put my fees again. And at this point, I was earning three to four times what other business consultants, coaches, advisors were pulling in. Things became a little patchy, and with fewer clients paying more, my business was more prone to risk if one cancelled or pulled out. So creating a more dependable income became the new success game. I got to researching the whole concept of leverage in business and realized that there were tangible ways to transition to a more scalable model, from traditional consulting hierarchies and systematization to more transformative online one-to-many offerings. This is where my operational improvement experience came into its own, so we turn next to the second way to velvet rope your business, systematizing your operational processes. Working within and consulting with large corporate organizations, small to medium-sized businesses, and solo practitioners has given me a great view of business processes at all sizes of business. Planning procedures, collaboration across functional teams, and hiring and outsourcing. Even for solo professionals, there's often misalignment in how key operations are set up, how they're managed. And yes, even when it's just one person doing everything. With all the various online systems at our disposal these days, it should be easy to get everything streamlined, right? Sadly, it's not. A lot of the time, what we have in place, both systems and processes, tools and teams, has grown organically. We add things on, yet rarely take things away. A big part of the consulting work we do is process review and lean management. And it's not really the kind of thing that you see or hear about in manufacturing plants. What I do is much more working with service-based businesses, so our focus is on end-to-end customer journey, the engage, educate, enroll process I talk about often. You can increase the capacity of a business quite substantially when you document exactly what you do, take a good hard look and get rid of historical or wasteful elements of a process. We do this across teams to get things aligned and seamless, especially from the customer's point of view and experience. And it's really interesting that when you run a participatory experience of getting people to look at the process collectively, there's a real sense of camaraderie and getting people to understand what what happens when and why, and to understand how they would work better together. But you can also do it for your own business, which is really useful if you're looking to outsource or hire people to take some of the administrative load off you. Have a look at one or two of your key overarching processes, such as for marketing and sales, how you acquire a new client, how you onboard a client, or for client management, how you monitor a project or evaluate the outcomes. Documenting your standard operating procedures, or SOPs, is a great way to look under the hood and do a bit of tuning. At a deeper level, you can start looking at the sequence of communication a client gets. We call this the end-to-end customer experience. It may start with your website or landing page, or your social media. When they opt in or book a call, it continues with your email marketing, the follow-up for appointments, or when you invite them to events, and right through to bookings and payments, onboarding and customer support or client management. Putting some effort into your SOPs ensures accuracy and efficiency. A couple of tips that impact your revenue here are, one, good customer service and support can be a huge factor in retaining clients. If you've got a VA who helps you in the admin, make sure they understand your standards and give them the proper training, especially if they're client-facing. And two, make sure you always take a deposit on booking and have a clear cancellation policy. This way, if someone pulls out, you're not entirely out of pocket or left with a gap in your delivery schedule and income. It's also a way to ensure you attract clients who don't mess you around, both at a deterrent and being clear on your policies. And three, think hard about the time you're spending on social media. Although it can be free marketing for your business and you would be missing a trick not to use it, time is money. Keep your hours to specific tasks, promotions or campaigns so you're very intentional about everything you put out there and use only those platforms where you're most on brand, in your element and with your ideal target audience. Let's now move to the third way that you can find leverage and increase your income without increasing your client load. Number three is cutting out unnecessary costs. In a consulting or coaching practice, cutting out unnecessary operating costs can be a huge contributor to increasing your net income. It's important to pay attention to the highest operational costs and reduce the ones that are not vital to your business. So one would be review and cut unnecessary marketing expenses, as this will impact the profit margins from the income that you do make from the clients you do work with. Small businesses often get their marketing and ad spend very wrong. They either spend too much without much sense of the return on investment or they don't spend enough as they fail to track well what's working and what to invest more in or stop doing. If you're running ads that aren't converting, time to cut that expense, at least until you work out where the problem lies. Second, if you're not tracking customer journey data analytics, a good way to find out what's working in the time and effort you spend to get a client Ask them in the first discovery call or appointment to share how they found out about you. You may hear some surprises. That social media rotation you ran ends up being way more work and way less worthwhile than the 100 quid you spent on a local newspaper ad or the three guest spots you did on those obscure podcasts you got invited onto. Determine the top ways that people find out about you and your business. This direct feedback can help you boost revenue by cutting costs where you need to be based on the ROI. The third is the same goes for operating costs. Maintaining an accurate list of all operating costs can help when the time comes to reduce spending and streamline services. Although for service providers working from home overheads seem really low, your operating costs can really add up. Look at what you're spending on marketing, your own professional development, digital tools and outsourcing. The total amount in any given month or year shouldn't be a shock. You should be planning that spend based on forecasted sales. I can't tell you the sense of liberation I felt when I deleted all the courses, guides, videos I'd purchased over the years. Not only were most a waste of money, these things cost you in a non-financial way too because they defocus you. And they waste your time and they've got you spinning around trying all kinds of things that don't really move the needle in your business income. And finally, another way to reduce time and money spent is to move to electronic records, bookings and customer relationship systems. Right, so all of those things go in the efficiency pile. Now let's move on from increasing prices and cost savings because those are not the only ways to work smarter, not harder. One really big change I made early on in my consulting business, which I continue to do in my mentoring and coaching programs, is to make sure I'm only working with clients who are the right fit. There's such a lot of wasted time that goes on when you don't have the perfect clients. So the most important component of a velvet rope strategy is about how you filter, sift and sort potential clients. It's all about for attracting better clients. When you're getting yourself established in your field and working on positioning and branding, your approach to getting clients is likely to be more about direct outreach than attraction marketing. In building your audience and as your list or followers grows, the key is to engage, nurture, and favor those who are most responsive. They're opening your emails, liking your posts, commenting on your stuff. Now, I'm not a big social media person and it's never been where my ideal clients hang out but they do find me and get on my email list and I can see the ones who are most active so I can send some special messages just for them. So selected targeting for exclusive offers to my most engaged people, my VIPs. These super fans are likely your perfect people, the ones who have the highest brand affinity with you and will be eager to hear from you on a daily basis and share what you do with others. And as you gain visibility for what you do, becoming distinctive and slightly famous as I write about in my book, Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age, you'll find you get approached by people who are not always a good fit. You want to avoid getting pulled back into doing too many different things for too many different clients, what we covered last episode, which can happen when you start saying yes more than you say no. Be discerning about what opportunities are right for you. One of my clients is in this good position. She's really good at what she does and wows everyone in an audience with her message and unique way of talking about risk and innovation, particularly as she works mainly in the financial sector. She's a colorful character that gets attention. Her issue was not one of getting enough offers. It It was of knowing what are the right things to say yes to. With the backdrop of the vision and values driving her whole business, we worked on a set of criteria that would help her know and communicate who's a good fit for what she does and what she's willing to do and for how much. You can qualify and disqualify people at any or every stage of your marketing and sales process. It helps you stay authentic and on message for your ideal clientele. And specifically it helps ensure that you one avoid trying to please everyone in your branding content and offers two you attract your velvet clients and can make it an experience for them three you dump your vexing clients and prune your client list and four you identify your mid-range clients and dump them or develop them to be more ideally suited to your way of working the more we show who we are up front the more obvious it becomes who's the best fit Many will self-select out if we're not for them. And the second stage in this is having an application process. The more in demand you are, the more rigorous this needs to be. Your velvet rope ensures access to you is something your prospects have to qualify for. We are also qualifying people even further down the sales process during the sales conversation. We get a sense of who they are and what they're all about, how they think, how they express their feelings. And we should be willing at that point to call people out on their excuses because I'm not a fan of working with negative or whiny people who always find a reason not to do something. I'm all for working with people with an open growth mindset who want to work together to figure out how they can do something, not why X, Y, Z won't work. Which brings us to how to create the velvet rope policies that go in front of access to your product program or service. Here's a quick exercise you can do to get started with your criteria that you need to work from to accomplish the results we just went through. There are five steps. And remember, if you're listening to this on the move, you can read the article version of this episode later to get the steps down. Step one is to list the qualities, values and personal characteristics that you would like your ideal clients to possess. Let's break it down a little bit. Think about your ideal potential client in terms of the type of people you love being around, the kinds of things that they like to do. What sort of things do they talk about? Who do they associate with? What kind of values are important to them? How do they learn? Are they kind of smiling, outgoing, creative? Is that what you want? Now step two, we're going to evaluate what's great about your current ideal clients. Think about your current client base or your most recent clients. Who have you loved interacting with the most and why? Who do you look forward to seeing? Who are the clients who don't feel like work to you? And who is it that sometimes you just can't believe you get paid to work with them? Write their names down and dig deep into why they're ideal. Not just their personalities or work ethics, but their dreams, goals and attitude and how they align with you. Being able to help clients see themselves more fully is an important part of what I do as a coach and mentor, including helping them develop a growth mindset and gain more entrepreneurial resilience. I screen for folks who are willing to change their perspective, who are open to learning, because I always let them know I'm known for being very open, honest and no nonsense. My friend Danny Innie, who I coach on his company's ACES program, says as coaches we need to be tough on the business and gentle on the entrepreneur. That's so right. But you don't want to work with people who are always on the offensive or defensive. You want to screen out people who aren't open to hearing others' views. When you look at your ideal current clients, make sure you get a clear picture of these people in your head. Your selection criteria come from the top five reasons you love working with them. So step three goes a little bit deeper. Who do you do your best work with? Because when you're with your best clients, you're at your best too. So now you need to go deeper. Out of your ideal clients you love to work with, who possess the qualities, values and personal characteristics you love, look for the cream of the crop. Who you can do your best work with and guarantee to get amazing results for these clients. As you're working on steps one and two, think about examples of great results for both you and your clients when you are at your best write your thoughts down, let this list spur more ideas for the list in step one and two and vice versa. So we'll start to gradually build up this set of criteria and then we'll refine it and polish it. To do my best my clients must have these qualities and when I'm at my best I see these great results. Make your list. And step four is then to dump your most vexing clients. You're going to want to identify the types of clients you don't want you want to pin down the characteristics or behaviours that you won't tolerate. What kinds of people should not be getting past the velvet rope that protects you in your business? In Book Yourself Solid, Michael Port calls these the duds. I'm not a fan of that term and I'll just call them vexing. Take a good hard look at your current clients. Be absolutely honest with yourself. Who among your current clients fits the profile you've just created of people who should not have gotten past your velvet rope? Are you willing to fire these more vexing clients it's a bold action and requires courage but it's incredibly empowering and enabling too a big reward for a moment of awkwardness the feeling of pride and boundaries will motivate you to continue pruning your client base until the less than ideal clients have all been eliminated now look if you don't have clients yet you can start your velvet rope strategy from a clean slate To create your criteria, think about co-workers, friends, or even service providers that you've worked with in the past. And if you have clients and all of them are vexing and you can't fire them all, just start by easing just one of them out first, see how it feels, and move forward from there. So here's the next exercise you can do, step five, that's to divide your clients into vexing or velvet clients. If some are midway between the two, create another list and call them mid-range, or if you like rank and file type things, give every client a score between one, super vexing, and three, super velvet, and you can sort on score. Draw on both present and past experiences, who inspired you and who made you dread each call with them. Don't hold back or leave anyone out. And remember, those who are mid-range, you can help them move forward towards the velvet end of the score, By developing them into more ideal clients. But also take some of the responsibility for why they are that way. Think on ways in which you may even inadvertently have contributed to some of your clients being less than ideal. As well as through the coaching relationship, your processes, policies, and procedures can all help or hinder vexing behaviours. Managing your prospects' expectations of what you expect from them is important too making sure that you light their fire for the work you do, keep them challenged and stay excited. You have to stay committed to believing in the work and believe in them even when they falter themselves. And it's all part of helping them develop into ideal clients and build resilience. As you make your velvet rope policies more obvious, you should end up with fewer non-ideal clients and you may find your mid-range clients either step up their game or fall away naturally. Now, if you want some help working out the best velvet rope strategy for your business and how to implement it, then go ahead and book a free strategy discovery call. You'll find the appointment scheduler throughout my website and on the contact page at jallison.com forward slash contact me, I'd love to get into this with you. What's super important here is that when you're fully clear about your standards of presence, when you fully demonstrate your values and your views, You'll naturally attract and draw to yourself those you're best suited to work with and you'll push away those you're not meant to work with. Working with clients, you want to attract the great clients and push away the not-so-great clients. And this is particularly the case for your high-end services and programs, the ones where you're really working in-depth with people. And We talked about that last week, where the engagements longer and the end result or gains you promise to deliver are more complex. In an increasingly competitive marketplace where your prospects have infinite options and see hundreds of marketing messages every day, the use of a velvet rope marketing strategy creates real and perceived exclusivity. In turn, this selectivity translates into customer desirability that results in premium prices and increased customer lifetime value. That's what you can achieve with this. And that's part of what we'll look at in the next episode. Part three of how to increase your consulting income without taking on more clients, we'll look at scalable delivery that feels bespoke, where we'll be getting into how to achieve that important balance of profitability, scalability, and sustainability. So I'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.